Thank you, Tom. There's going to be, it says, every nation, every tribe, every tongue. Think about that. <laughs> Before the throne of God, worshiping him. John Piper says, missions exist because worship does not. Amen. So God's included us. He's called you and me. And, and you might say, Ben, I'm not a missionary. It's okay. We all have a part. God has called all of us to be disciples and to make disciples. And one of the core reasons the church exists is to proclaim Jesus Christ, that he is Lord, not only here in Rapid City, but across this world so that everyone can have a chance to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And it is good news. <laughs> he is worthy of being worshiped. Would you jump, close your eyes with me and pray this morning, Lord, as we open your word. We're desperate for you. We need you. You know the hungers and the thirsts in every heart in this place. You know them, Lord, and you love them. And we thank you for the message of 1 John that says that, God, you love us. And that, God, you are well pleased with us. In fact, you call us your children. Thank you, Jesus, for opening our hearts and our eyes to the reality of your love. And I just pray that all of us would be reminded of that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to finish First uh, John, uh, but hopefully First John is not finished with you. <laughs> I pray, and I, I pray that even as we are here this morning preaching the Word of God, that, that this Word would remain in you, that it would waken you and enliven you to the reality of God with you. God with you. God with us. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, is it not? Emmanuel, God with us. And so First uh, John is a Christmas book. This is a story of God becoming man. Jesus was born physically in this world. He became a man. He stepped into human history, and he's changed human history. He has a new story for us. Our story isn't going to be marked by death by viruses, by chaos, political upheaval. Our story is going to be marked by the victory of God in the resurrection. New life. Life is what we were made for. We were created to live. And so that is God's story, and it's becoming a reality in us. And that's what First John is all about. And so if you open your Bibles to First uh, John chapter 5, and if you would stand with me, and we stand in honor of God's word, we're going to read, and starting in verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence we have in approaching God. Isn't that good news? Confidence. <laughs> this is confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray, and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. And there is a sin that leads to death. And I'm not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe. 
The one who is born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God, and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God, the eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. You may be seated. There's so much in this passage, and I wish, I wish we had hours and hours to explore every element of truth in this, in this passage, but I invite you to study on your own, to open the Bible, to read this. And, and if you want to understand First John, you really need to go back to the Gospel of John and read John chapter 14 through 17, because really those last words of Jesus to his disciples shaped and changed John forever. And so Pastor Elder John, the pastor of Ephesus, is reminding the church, reminding us of these powerful words of Jesus in the Gospel of John. If you're going to understand First John, you also have to open the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created. And so John reminds us back to that story in Genesis. And I also believe if you want to understand First John, you have to understand Song of Solomon. God's passionate, radical love for his people. He loves his people. And so as he begins uh, here in verse 13, he says, I write these things. I believe this is probably a sermon that John gave and it was recorded. It was written to be shared with the churches. I write these things to you who believe. And so this is a, this is a letter. This is a, a message. This is a word for believers, followers of Jesus. And, and I believe many of you, most of you here this morning are followers of Jesus. So this is a, this is a word for you. I've written these things so that you who believe in the name of the Son of God may know, may know, may know that you have eternal life. (laughs) This book is about our assurance of who we are, that God has saved us. Salvation isn't up to us. It's not what we have done. It's not our performance. It's what God has done. This is the good news of Jesus, that he came into this world and he provided a sacrifice. His blood was shed so that we could be forgiven and, made, and saved and made whole and made new. And so God has done this, and we can know that we have eternal life. Now, I just got to say, John was addressing false teaching in this letter. He's reminding the church that there, not every message comes from God, and so we need to know what comes from God. Today, there's many false messages, and one of the greatest false messages that I see today is that what we hear from our world, what's kind of all around us, it's in the TV shows we watch, it's in the movies, it's in the books, it's everywhere we look, there's this message that you have to find yourself. And where does the world say? The world is saying, find yourself by looking inside, by looking inside. And so the world says life, or eternal life, as, as, as they would define it, is found by looking inward, that somehow we got to find ourselves. And I got to tell you, when I open the newspaper, and I look what's happening, and I see all the suicides, and I see the drug overdoses, and I see the addictions, and I see the desperation of our world. And we see people dying of loneliness and anxiety and fear in our world today. Where does all that come from? It comes from the message of the world that says, find yourself by looking inside. Because if I look inside, I only find despair. I only see struggle. I only see weakness. The Bible gives us a very different message. 
And so we have to know what is false. And what does the Bible say? It says we can know and have eternal life through what? Through Jesus. <laughs> it's not from within that we find who we are. It's not from within that we find life. It is from outside of ourselves. We were incapable of finding life on ourselves. It is God who, who needed to step in from the outside and give us identity, to give us life, to give us meaning, to give us purpose, to give us what we most long for. And so life is not found within, it's found from without, and it's found in the person of Jesus Christ. And so God is the hope. He is the life that this world needs. Because if I look within, I will only find despair. But if I look to Christ, what do I find? Hope, peace, life. Everything I want is found in Him. And this is the message that God gives us. That He loved us first. Do you remember that verse <laughs> in 1 John 4? He, it's not that we loved him, it's that he loved us first. So it's not that I was some kind of special person that discovered God. No, he picked me. He chose me. He saw me. He saw my need, and he stepped in, and he loved me, and he loved you, and he loved every person on this planet. That's why when we say there's those people who haven't heard God loves them, and he's impassioning hearts to go to them and say, God loves you. His love is made complete when we share the message of Jesus with others, when we love others, and when we serve others. This way, God's love is made complete. He's speaking. He's moving. He's revealing his love to us. He chose us. <laughs> we didn't choose him. He chose us. It comes from without, not from within. And so God reveals himself so that we can know that we have eternal life. And what's the result? Confidence. Confidence. Type in confidence sometime in Google. <laughs> a lot of people want confidence. A lot of parents want their kids to have confidence. Why? Because confidence is beautiful. Confidence is something that we all want, we all long for, we were created for. But if we look within, will we find it? No. Despair, struggle. But if we have Christ, we have confidence. We can be free to live as God created us to live, to use the gifts and the personalities and, and the, all the beautiful things that God has shaped and formed in the human heart and the human body. And everything that you are can be revealed and displayed when we come to Christ. In this, we have confidence. I, I love kids. <laughs> and... Uh, I, I hope uh, all of you, as you have, uh, have ki your own kids or you're around your nieces or nephews or your neighborhood kids, that you could see what Jesus was talking about when he said, to enter the kingdom of God, we must be like a child. Because kids have confidence. <laughs> there's no, there's no self-doubt and, and, and worry. I mean, that, that grows pretty soon, right? Pretty soon kids are having all the same struggles we are. But, but one thing my kids never lack confidence is asking. They say, Dad, can we have this? Dad, can we do this? Why is it this way, right? If you've been around kids, you get asked a lot of questions, right? And they don't, they don't bat an eye. They don't, they don't wonder if they should ask or not. They just ask. They just ask. And that is what I think John is reminding us, is if we come to God in Christ, if we have a relationship, if we have fellowship, as it said in the very beginning of 1 John, then when we come to God, we have confidence. 
We have freedom. Unlike Adam and Eve who had to hide, we can come open, transparent, honest, no hiding, no pretending. We can have confidence before God. We can have confidence that in approaching God, we can ask anything according to his will, and he will hear us. Isn't that beautiful? This morning, in the short time we have, I want to highlight two stories of how these two verses uh, are revealed to us in the scripture. We're coming on Christmas, right? And this past week, uh, at our staff meeting, we read out of Luke chapter 1. And uh, if you guys remember in Luke chapter 1, we have the, the Christmas story, right? Where Mary uh, is this girl, and she gets this visit, a visit she wasn't expecting, a visit she wasn't looking for, but an angel appeared to her and said, Mary, you're highly favored, and God is with you, and guess what? You're going to have a baby. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we were laughing around our, our, in, our, in our time together as staff because we we're like, man, that, I don't know if I would think I was highly favored if I got a message like that, because that messed up Mary's life. <laughs> I mean, she was engaged. She had her whole—I'm sure she had dreams about what her life would look like, and then this angel came, and it messed everything up. Her life got really complicated. Her life got really difficult when that angel came. Her life wasn't going to be easy now, because now she had an unplanned pregnancy. And if you know the Christmas story, you know it wasn't an easy story. She ended up, uh, she ended up having to travel far from home to a little town called Bethlehem. And you know that there wasn't a good place to have a baby in Bethlehem. And so they ended up with all the animals. And if you keep knowing the story, Mary and Joseph's child was threatened by the king. And so they had to run and they had to become refugees in Egypt in a strange land. That doesn't sound like a highly favored story. <laughs> that sounds like a difficult story, a hard story. And so when Mary gets this message from the angel, it says her heart is troubled, and she's afraid. Troubled, afraid. And so much of this life is like that, because we have experiences that are difficult, experiences that are hard, just like Mary had, just like Joseph had. This year has been difficult. It's been hard. There's viruses. There's political chaos. There's strong feelings and opinions different ways. And, 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 and there's separation from people. People are feeling the weight, the effects of trouble, difficulty in our world today. All of us have. All of us have been affected. Not just this year, but in past years. All of us have faced hard, difficult circumstances. But God comes to Mary and says, you're highly favored. God is with you. And I love what Mary, how she responds, because that's what First John says, we can have confidence and we can ask, right? We can ask. And Mary asks a question. She says, how is this going to be? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm a virgin. And so she, she was looking at her circumstances. She was looking at her experience. And we can look at our circumstances, and we can look at our experience. And then we hear the message of 1 John that says, No, you are, you are a child of God. You are loved by God. You are highly favored by God. That's what God told Mary. But we look at our circumstances. We look at our experience, and we say, Wait a minute. It doesn't feel like it matches up. 
But I love how Mary responded. How did Mary respond when the angel told her, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. He's going to overshadow you. God's going to do something that you can't do. <laughs> God is going to do a miracle. Isn't that the message of 1 John? If you remember the beginning of chapter 5, it says, everyone born of God. Born of God. It's the miracle of, of new birth. This is, this is the good news of Jesus, that God does something that we cannot do on our own, that new life is born within us. God became man, and God works in us, the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting that it's the Christmas story that is all of our story when we come to Jesus? Now, I'm not saying everyone's going to get pregnant. I'm not ready to get pregnant. <laughs> But listen, the Holy Spirit has been poured out. Just as the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, the Holy Spirit comes into your life, into my life. This is Pentecost. This is what Jesus promised in John 14. I'm going to send to you the, the Holy Spirit, the counselor, the helper. And he's going to do what you cannot do. He's going to do something marvelous, amazing, new birth. Mary, the Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to give birth to a child. And whoever is hearing this message, if you believe in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has come into your life, and he's created something new in you. He's birthed a new life in you, and it says that the very presence of God is in you. He's with you. Oh, it says that Mary treasured these things in her heart. <laughs> this is a miracle. And God is doing that miracle today. He's doing it in me. He's doing it in you. This is what John says of those three testimonies. One of the testimonies that we can believe in God and trust in God is that the Spirit of God testifies. He is in you. He is in us. Oh, do you know him? Do you hear his voice? You can. You can know the presence of God. The other story I want to think about in this light of this passage is the story of John the Baptist because he's also part of the Christmas story. Remember, Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, was also giving birth, and, uh, and there was John the Baptist, and he was coming into the world. Now, John's life uh, wasn't easy. He lived out in the wilderness. He had trouble. He had difficulty. But I think the moment that stood out to me as I thought, thought about this passage, because he talks about a struggle in 1 John. He talks about the struggle of sin, the struggle of the devil, and we don't have a lot of time to get into this, but I think that the greatest struggle, the greatest sin that we will struggle with is unbelief. I mean, if you think about it, the thing that Jesus most encountered, that most resisted who he was, was unbelief. Unbelief. And the call of 1 John is to believe. To believe. To have faith. To put our trust. To put our whole weight into the promise of God. And so it's that struggle with unbelief. And then we have John the Baptist who lived this radical, incredible life. And he was the first one that proclaimed that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so John had this incredible privilege to proclaim Christ. And he was there when Jesus got baptized and, and the Spirit of God descended like a dove and a voice called out from heaven, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. John was there. He experienced that. He was part of that. But the story that was striking me, just like Mary looking at her circumstances, her experience, and saying, how can this be John the Baptist in prison? Because if you remember, Herod arrested him, and he's sitting in a jail cell. 
And just like Mary, he's looking at his circumstances in jail, all alone, wondering, wondering. And he asks this question. He sent some of his friends to Jesus and says, how do I know you're really the Christ? Remember that? Now, I want to encourage you today because we have moments of struggle. It's okay. The Bible is full of people who had struggle. First John isn't saying that assurance means we don't struggle. We do. We have questions. But we can ask. Just like Mary asked. Just like John the Baptist asked. We can come and we can say, say how, how do we know you're really with us? How do we know you really love us? Because our experience, our circumstances don't always match up with that reality that you're saying, that you're making all things new, and that, 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 that you're saving this world, because sometimes it doesn't feel like it. When we see people get sick and die, when there's fracturing in our families, when we get laid off from our jobs, when we feel abandoned by people we thought loved us, we, we ask questions, Right? And John the Baptist asked, how do I know? And I love the response that Jesus sent back. <laughs> he said, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are being healed. God is at work. New life is coming. It's been born. It's alive. God is working. His spirit is making all things new. And that's what it says in, in verse 18, we know that anyone born of God, anyone born of God, there's this assurance and there's a struggle because the devil, it says the whole world is under the control of the evil one. But I believe John the Baptist received that message from Jesus and I think he received it and I think there was a joy in his heart. That even though he was in a jail cell, and Mary, even though she had an unplanned pregnancy, what does it say? It says, my soul rejoices. <laughs> it says Mary praised God because she recognized the work of God, the work of Jesus to bring about new life. And that this world and the devil and all that is chaotic and all that is wrong, all the injustice, that it's going to be made right. One of the things that really grabbed my attention when I read in Luke chapter 1, and I hope you go back and read that this week with your family. We're going to read it at our Christmas Eve service too. The angel tells Mary, the word of God will not fail. That's what he said. <laughs> he told Mary, the word of God will not fail. And that's what Jesus told John the Baptist. Look, he said, John, Look what's happening. The word of God will not fail. God's going to accomplish what he promised. He's going to do it. And this is what we know, that God is true because of Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. We have life. We have life. And no one can ever take that away from us. I would invite you to close your eyes. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. John's final words to the church was, keep yourself from idols. I, I, I hate the coronavirus. I hate what it's done to our world. And I think it's the work of the devil. But, but remember, Jesus can redeem and work through the worst things. And one of the, one of the things the virus has done is expose the idols of our hearts. 
It's revealed our priorities. It's revealed our fears. It's revealed our anxieties. It's revealed a lot. But I think what God is doing is greater. And I want to close with this thought out of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Can you say that this morning? The Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. It's personal. He loves you. He's for you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Oh, he knows every need, every desire that you have. And he alone can satisfy it. He says, he leads me to green pastures, makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He will restore my soul. And I believe right here this morning, there are some souls that need to be restored. You are battle-weary. You are troubled. You are anxious. You are afraid. But know that God can restore. What the devil has stolen, what feels so broken in you, God can restore. He's your shepherd. Trust it. Believe it like Mary, like John the Baptist. Trust it. Receive it. What he can do in you. And he leads me besides right paths for his name's sake. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for he is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. And he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows. And surely his goodness and his mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And surely I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.